0: Hello and welcome once again to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Noah Newman, Associate Editor. Solving the soil health puzzle, Lacrosse Seed has you covered. Cover crops are an important piece to future profit, but it takes work and it's puzzling at times. La Crosse Seed delivers quality soil-first cover crop products, plus training and tools to help you succeed. Whether you're looking to grow your cover crop seed business, get product tips, or find a local soil-first dealer, Lacrosse Seed is ready to help. Learn more at Soilfirst.com. That's soil1st.com or call 800 356 seed Alright, let's head to Davenport, Iowa to catch up with Rob Ewalt, who's the president of the Iowa Soybean Association. Ewalt fills us in on how the prestigious role is allowing him to make an impact not just in Iowa, but all over the globe. His family started planting cover crops in the late 90s. They did so mainly to produce feed for cows, but his approach changed in 2005 when he saw how covers helped boost yields during a drought year. He also tells us which crops give him the most bang for his buck and which one was an absolute quote unquote disaster at his farm. Rob and his wife Jennifer recently won the Advocate for Agriculture Award, big time honor for their efforts in the community, which includes an open farm day event they host every year that gives the public a chance to learn all about their operation. A teacher at heart, Rob also has some advice for farmers who are thinking about planting cover crops for the first time. Hi, Rob. Well, it was snowing here in uh, Wisconsin today. I don't know what it's like over there in Davenport, Iowa, but have you been able to get anything done planning-wise recently? We we haven't. Yeah,
1: I've worked on them. That's about all I've done. I've worked in the shop. We haven't... uh, we haven't been able to do anything. It's been either raining or just cold. I think our soil temperatures are somewhere around 39 or 40 right now. And it's just, it doesn't it does look good for the next week, to be honest with you. I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to not make mistakes and, and push it. So,
0: well, hopefully the weather turns around here soon, but for people who are familiar, give us your background in terms of your farm. Have you been there your entire life and when did you take over there?
1: I've uh, born and raised on this farm. My family bought it in 1970 when it was just bare ground, and, and they built the house and, and everything here. Um, I've been uh, I took over. My wife and I bought and took over the farm from my parents in 04. So we've been at it for I guess uh, 18 years now. So we're we're a row crop operation. We also we also grow some alfalfa hay. We have a cow calf operation, and we also have a hog operation. Uh, wean to finish um, where we feed for another family farm so uh, we we supply the labor and the and the buildings and we get the manure and they get the pork
0: and you're the president of the Iowa Soybean Association tell us about your role how long have you been doing that for
1: that I am I was privileged to be elected to uh, to that position I've been on the board for seven years now and we're uh, so this is a one-year commitment to be president of the Soybean Association, which will be enough because they keep you moving quite a bit. Uh, first, the first twelve month or twelve weeks of the of this year, I was gone ten of them. So it's been a wow. It's been uh, uh, yes. Thankfully, I, I married very well, and my wife is very patient and uh, and a great stay at or, uh, a great mother to my children while I'm gone because I've been gone a lot. It has been quite an honor. We've taken some pretty high-level meetings with uh, Secretary. um, I've traveled with the Secretary of Ag for the state of Iowa, Mike Nag, uh, to Mexico on trade mission trips. and met with some great people down there, some customers. I've been able to um, tour Brazil to kind of try to see what our competition's up to. So I spent two weeks down there in the Mato Grosso region, uh, also up on the Amazon to see how they export through the river uh, and been down in the Southern part of, of uh, Brazil also. Uh, so <clears throat> there's been a great opportunities in the, in years, years past, we've taken some trips to, uh, to visit over in China before there were issues, you know, with trade and stuff. We, we toured over there to meet with some of our buyers and, uh, so amazing opportunities i've been able to testify in front of the house of representatives in dc i've been able able to testify in front of the epa on some issues with renewable fuels um it very it it can be very stressful you know you think you've been through a lot of things and you think you can you can communicate with a lot of people but when you get put on that stage it's kind of game on and and i was very intimidated
0: I was reading you were presented with the ISA Advocate for Agriculture Award. What did that mean to you, and how were you able to win that?
1: Uh, pretty cool, because we had to be nominated by your peers. And uh, I think that's the greatest form of flattery is when, you know, when your peers recognize some of the things that you're doing. And, and my wife and I, we were nominated as a family. We'd, my wife writes an article in the local paper every two weeks, talks about what's happening on our farm because we live right outside the quad cities so we have a metropolitan area of about 200 250,000 people that really aren't connected to agriculture even though John Deere corporate headquarters are here um, so she does that and then we also do every year we open up our farm to to everybody in the quad cities to come out and climb on the equipment and we engage the parents when the kids are climbing on the on the equipment and we give them a hay rack ride and If we get sponsors, sometimes we get, we give them a a free meal, you know, for, and we call it picnic in the pasture. And uh, that's how we just, we educate the population around here and try to tell them what we're doing and the good things we're doing, you know, as far as conservation goes. Um, That's, that's our big thing that there's a lot of misinformation out there. What's happening. We want to educate those people and we want to engage them. And we want to make sure that they know that they can trust us when it comes to their who supplies their food.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool thing you guys did. It's co- you call it the Evil Open Farm Day, and you, you do this every year. How many people usually show up to that? You get a good turnout. Well,
1: depends on the weather, but our best was like three hundred fifty to four hundred. Um, wow. You know, but so it makes it worthwhile. It it really is. Uh, <clears throat> we engaged in some really, really cool um conversations and topics when it comes when these when these people come out some of them might be absentee landowners they really don't understand what's happening in uh on their farms you know their farms are two three hours away they inherited them they really don't know what's going on
0: i'll let you educate our uh, listeners right now we are called the cover crop strategies podcast so how long have you been using cover crops for and what cover crops do you use well, I think we we started
1: using cover crops kind of in a selfish reason uh, to make some cheap feed for some cows. And uh, we would chop silage in the fall and we'd plant uh, cereal rye because that's what everybody does around here. And we uh, probably started that in ninety ninety six, I suppose ninety seven somewhere in there. And then uh, in five, we had a drought year, and uh, we were still just using it strictly selfish reasons, and uh, we planted beans into some cereal rye, and that cereal rye um, was a drought year in 05, and where we had cereal rye in half of the field, it grew, uh, the whole field average 24 bushels of the acre, which wasn't great, and we have a yield map on it too, which is really cool, and I use it in presentations, and, uh, but it showed field average 24 bushels of the acre on, on the beans, and where we had planted cereal rye, we grew 36 bushel beans and where we had just bare corn stalks where we drilled where we planted the the beans into, it did 12. So that told me that there was something going on with cover crops and uh, we needed to explore this a little bit more. And we started getting a little bit of money from the state and from the county to try to do some experimenting on cover crops and trying to see. And I started, I went to a different fertilizer company and they put on some great science classes which was something better than I had ever had in any college uh, I will give a give a little nod to AG spectrum company based on science and uh, they had some great educational tools to use and uh, and I, I think I started to understand a little bit more about how we can get soil health and uh, you know and but I still keep in the back of my mind that we we are here for production ag. We need to grow a lot of a lot of food for a lot of people in this world. And so I always keep, but I wanna do it in the most conservation friendly way I can. And we are seeing improvements throughout the years of using cover crops and, and our soil health in some of these fields. There's some farms to be honest that are further away and stuff that we really don't get to cover crop like we want to. Um, but those that are, that are around that we've spent the time on that we own, um, we are seeing a great improvement in yield. And I wanna attribute it to, to the soil health and the cover crop and the organic matter that we're building in these soils. But to go back to your other question, you know, we've used, uh, we tried a lot of different stuff around here. Uh, we like to use, we'll use some oats too, um, especially if we're gonna have corn f- come in um that way we don't have to kill it off in the spring but i do like i like things greening up in the spring we've used some clover didn't see a lot of uh in our area it's really not fixing the nitrogen before we need to terminate when we have corn coming up uh so that didn't i didn't see a big benefit there we've tried perennial rye grass thinking that the small seed would be easier to fly on with a with a plane you could carry more seeds uh that was a complete disaster uh the seeds were too light they didn't fly very far and and um it was very hard to kill the next year so we we decided we better stay away from that uh so there's a lot of things that we've learned we've we've done the tillage radish which were which were good but we can freeze off pretty quick and and, and if we don't get a corn crop harvested really early um they they just don't seem to do very well for us in particular, I know other people that have chopped silage in August and then and then seed them, and then they had great luck with a tillage radish. Uh, we just haven't, you know. So we stick with and and winter wheat also. So we really like winter wheat, cereal rye, or oats, something that's sourced locally. I don't have to go looking very far. Um, this year we are we have twenty acres of our own that we're going to take to seed and and put up another bin and and try to uh, get. You know, just grow our own so we don't have to go looking for it. Because it's getting harder and harder to find um, as more and more people start cover cropping, which is great. That's a great problem to have.
0: We'll get back to the podcast in a moment, but I want to take some time once again to thank our sponsor. Solving the soil health puzzle, LaCrosse Seed has you covered. Cover crops are an important piece to future profit, but it takes work. And it is puzzling at times. Lacrosse Seed delivers quality, soil first cover crop products, plus training and tools to help you succeed. Whether you're looking to grow your cover crop seed business, get product tips, or find a local soil first dealer, Lacrosse Seed is ready to help. Learn more at soilfirst.com. That's soil1st.com or call 800 356 SEED. And now, back to the podcast. Sounds like there was a lot of trial and error when you first started using cover crops, and it seems like what works for some people might not work for others. What kind of advice would you give to people who are thinking about starting to plant cover crops?
1: Well, I, yeah, we've tried different applications. We've tried and and failed miserably on some. You know, we had a helicopter, and we found out that the helicopter guy didn't really know what he was doing. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> you know, so I had I had that was with that perennial rye and. We had a 30-foot strip that was just dark green as could be. looked like a golf course fairway. And then we had another 30 feet that was blank. And then we had another 30 feet that was deep green. And then all the way across the field, you know. And so you learn what works, what doesn't work. But,
0: yeah, everybody,
1: the thing is, try it on a small scale, you know, for those people that are a little bit intimidated by it, try it on a 20-acre field. If you got a neighbor that's got a certain applicator that you want to try, then have them come in and just try 20, 30 acres, you know. These guys, and and I'm the same way. I have an air seeder that I use on a vertical till. And and if somebody wants to try it out, I'm all in on this cover crop thing. I don't do as many acres as what I probably could. We just run out of time and, and weather. But if somebody wants help and they want to try it, then we'll come in and we'll do 20, 30 acres for them whatever, you know, and, and because we want to see it succeed for those people. And, and if it's working in our neighborhood, it's probably going to work right down the road for somebody, you know, but what I'm talking about here may be completely different from somebody up in the, in the Northern tier of uh, counties in Iowa or the Southern, you know, it's, it's, oh, they can do a lot of different things. And, and it's just what I found works and, and I found the easier, the better, we don't need to make this that difficult we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here we know how to grow crops so if we grow corn we can we can grow cover crop it's not it's not too tough but yeah there's you know i've had people go out there with a dry fertilizer buggy and just spin on spin on cereal rye and they get a great cover you know it, it it works it's pretty that rye and that that winter wheat pretty forgiving you know, um, you, can, you can do a lot of things and still have it come up in the spring, so.
0: <laughs> well, can you re- recall a, uh, a moment, maybe a, like a, so, an aha moment where it all clicked where you realized um, that the cover crops were having a certain positive impact on your soil health, or can you recall any moment?
1: Well, I mean, that, that one, the one time when I said we need to stop doing this for the cattle and start doing it for the crop, for the soil health, was in 05 in that drought year and that yield map and that's why I keep that yield map and I show it at presentations and i I say man this is you can see right to where our 15 foot grain drill ran out of rye i mean that's that's how it impacted that soybean crop and that's when I realized well there's there's different stuff we we need to start thinking different you know and and I always was was in the trying to figure out there's got to be a better way to grow crops instead of just keep throwing this fertilizer at it. Because our our crop yields weren't really going up at that time and, in, you in know, 4, 05. In, and I talked to a lot of other people that said the same thing. You know, we're not, everybody keeps talking about the trend line going up, but they weren't. And so that's when I said, we got to find a different way. And that's when I started working with that Ag Spectrum, that that they had a different way of thinking about it, a different way of fertilizing, and a different way of looking at things they were actually looking at through science and how each mineral or, you know, how that fertility was going to affect the reproductive part of the plant. And I thought, man, this is, why didn't they teach me this at Iowa State? Now I realized I wasn't that good of a student and, and <laughs> I will admit that. Uh, I had a lot of fun when I was at Iowa State and I met a lot of good friends when I was at Iowa State. My dancing really improved, but I did take some classes, you know, but none none of them were like, what i experienced when i went to these classes afterwards you know that were put on by a company and i think when you combine that year of 05 with the drought year in our area and then you combine it with that new knowledge that i was gaining i mean that's when we started clicking and that's when we started no-tilling corn into corn which i didn't think you could do uh, and then cover crops on top and and then we we did switch and we went into a strip till And so that's what we do now for our corn is we strip till our corn and we no till our beans. So I get no till, we no till our beans into, into a lot of cover crop. I don't, I don't particularly like to uh, air seed into bean stubble just because I think it loosens up the ground too much. And we can't, a lot of times we can't get enough growth of the cover crop in the fall to offset that disturbance of that topsoil. So I, I try to leave my bean stubble alone. It just – unless we're going to fly something on, but I haven't flown anything on in several years just because it's tough to – I'm not a fan of aerial application.
0: After having right. that helicopter. That helicopter really burned me. Yeah, he probably scared you off from doing that again. Um, he did. He did. <laughs> do you ever think that some people get too crazy with the cover crops and plant too many? Is that possible to go overboard, do you think, in your opinion?
1: Uh, I think it is. I think, I think we – you know it i guess it all depends on what market you want to go to i mean if you want to go that far and you want to go organic and you want to try to capture all your nutrients and not have to put a commercial fertilizer down and you can get the premium for that product then then fine but you know i don't have that market around here i don't and 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 i and i think you know where where i live in the upper midwest we've been blessed with great fertile soils and this population in this world is growing, and we have to do our best to try to feed this world, and I really do, and as the years go on, and and as we we see what's happening in Europe right now, and Ukraine, and and what's going to happen to food over there, it's really, we really have to step up our game, because there, it it could get pretty ugly um, in the near future when it comes to to famine over there. I really, I really believe there's, there's a lot more suffering that's gonna happen because of it. And we need to produce as many calories as we can per acre, uh, but do it in the responsible manner, you know? So there's, there's a little bit of a trade off, not, you know, I think, I, I don't know, I'd hate to get too philosophical on a, on a nice little conversation about cover crop. and.
0: <laughs> oh, Hey, by all means. The platform is yours. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, it, it, you know, it sounds like you are making a big impact up in your region where you are just educating people with the Open Farm Day and your role as the president of the Iowa Soybean Association. What excites you for the upcoming year? Any, any new challenges coming your way or anything new you're doing at your farm or is it just business as usual? we've
1: gotten, uh, we went through some growing pains. We picked up quite a bit of ground and we, we went through some growing pains with some equipment and changing. There was, there was always, uh, pretty much going to be status quo from last year because we picked up some equipment last year, mainly looking at, at, uh, a high clearance sprayer. And, and so we've, we've taken our fertilizer with wide drops into our corn. And so we're trying to get more timely in that. And we're trying to put on, you know the right the right product, the right time, the right placement, and we think that we're right there. Um, we're just trying to still produce stuff and keep our soil in good shape and and uh, we're we're excited for the year. We think it's going to be challenging this year because we haven't had a spring like this in quite a while. You know we've been pretty spoiled in our in our area, the last couple of years, we've had ideal plant conditions and been able to plant, you know starting the fifteenth of. April and had really good dry soil to plant into. And this year it's wet and cold. And and we're gonna be lucky if we do anything by the 27th. But but I still think, you know, every year uh, farmers are always the optimist. And we're like we can do better than we did last year. Last year was a tremendous year for us, record breaking crops, um, both on the corn and soybean end. And you know, I'm up for the challenge. I want to do it again. I think my soil's healthier now than it was last year. I think every year our soils are getting healthier through our practices. And and I think why can't we? You know, there might be some people out there that are already at that 300 bushel for an average field. I'm not, but but we're growing. We're getting close, and and I'm excited for that day. Um, I can still remember back to the the first day when we grew 60 bushel beans, and now we're disappointed if it's less than 68 average, you know, and so, uh, I'm just really excited. I'm excited for, I have my, my, I have two boys that are 13 and 15 that are very involved in the farm and they're, they are so much further along in this whole journey with, with, with cover crops, with no-till, with strip-till, with conservation farming than I ever was when I was 20 years old and they're, they're already there and, and they know what good farming is and they know what bad farming is already and and so they're learning and watching them develop and take over some of the stuff even at 15 it's, it's kind of cool you know so that's what i'm looking forward to now
0: that's awesome you've got to be a proud dad well uh, yeah. I, hey this has been a great conversation i really appreciate it we're we're about up on our time limit and i know you've got some family visiting so i'll let you go <laughs> but uh hey rob maybe we'll have to check back in about a year from now and see how you're doing you bet you just give a call or if you're in the neighborhood stop on by Big thanks to the jovial Rob Ewalt for joining us on this week's edition of the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. And once again, let's thank our sponsor. Solving the soil health puzzle, La Crosse Seed has you covered. Cover crops are an important piece to future profit, but it takes work and is puzzling at times. La Crosse Seed delivers quality, soil first cover crop products, plus training and tools to help you succeed. Whether you're looking to grow your cover crop seed business, get product tips, or find a local soil first dealer, Lacrosse Seed is ready to help. Learn more at SoilFirst.com. That's Soil1ST.com. Or call 800-356-SEED. And for more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at CoverCropStrategies.com.